Welcome to a new episode of The Vanishing People of the World. This podcast will focus on the hundreds of missing people that just vanish in the thin air. This episode will shock you in many ways and make you wonder, do people really just vanish in the thin air? Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Vanishing People of the World podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this week's episode comes to us out of Portland, Oregon in the United States. My sources for this week's episode is an article out of OregonLive.com, an article off of NewsNationNow.com, and from the website called the Kyron Horman Foundation, and you can look that up at thekhf.org. So, Kyron Richard Horman was born September 9th, 2002, to Desiree Young and Kane Horman, and they would end up divorcing before Kyron was born, and would share custody of Kyron until 2002 when Desiree ended up in kidney failure, and would relinquish custody of Kyron to his father, Kane, while she seeked treatment. The day Kyron disappeared... He was with his stepmom getting ready for a science fair at Skyline Elementary. And this would be June 4th, 2010, and Kyron would be seven years old at this point. So Terry told investigators that she took him to the school science fair and she attended the science fair. There is photo proof and teacher proof that he was at the science fair however he never made it to his class that morning and his backpack and jacket would be left behind however apparently nobody was made aware of this at this point they weren't made aware that he was even missing until Terry and Kane went to get Kyron at the school bus stop. And the bus driver would tell them Kyron never got on the school bus. So they would naturally call the school. The school would let him know that he had been marked absent. And upon realizing that he was in fact missing, the school secretary would call 911. Now, I have no idea why Kyron's dad didn't call 911, but he didn't. The school did. And that makes me wonder what exactly happened here. So, when the police were brought in to investigate, they initially did a search around the two-mile two radius around the school and Savvy Island, which is six miles away from the school. However, at the time that law enforcement was looking at Savvy Island, they didn't tell anybody why, but I'll get into that. So 
they would question Terry as she was, in fact, the last person to see Kyron. And she would tell law enforcement that she was walking out the door and waved to Kyron as he was walking up the stairs to his classroom. But here's the ticker with that. When police would look into her saying that she waved goodbye to him as he was going up the stairs as she was leaving, there's a little problem with that. You can't see the stairs from the entrance that she was leaving out of. So what happened? Terry would go on to tell police that she did in fact leave the school at 8.45 and ran errands to two different Fred Meyer grocery stores. Because supposedly her toddler had an earache. I'm sorry, what? Anyway, she then proceeds to tell police that she was driving around to soothe the toddler's earache. And then she took said toddler to the gym and exercised for about 40 minutes. Now, nobody in the gym remembers seeing her at the gym, nor do they see her remember seeing her exercising. So keep that in your mind for a minute. So she would then go home and post pictures of Kyron at the science fair. You know, Kyron was proud of his science project, and she was going to do what she did. Now... In late June, Terry got in some more trouble. And in the midst of the search for Kyron, Kane would be told by investigators that Terry had offered the landscapers a lot of money to off her husband. Say what? So, she denies this. The landscaper has testified that she did, in fact, approach him in January to get rid of her husband. Now, upon hearing this, Kane would, in fact, go and file for divorce from Terry. Now... During the investigation, this woman would take and fail two separate polygraph examinations in regards to um, in regards to Kyron's disappearance. Now. Everybody knows how I feel about polygraph examinations, but this one seems to, I don't know, doesn't make any sense. So, in August, law enforcement would announce that they were searching for a second individual who was seen sitting inside Terry's truck. Now, this person would end up being a friend of Terry's, who disappeared 
from her job for a few hours. Yes, you heard that right. A few hours. Now, apparently Terry's phone tracked her, which we all know phones can track anybody and anything. Her phone had her sitting on the side of the road for quite a few minutes. Um, and apparently going on and off Savi Island. Now, Savi Island isn't something you can just find. You really have to drive into it. Um, and Terry just wasn't at this point cooperating with police. She did in the beginning and now refuses to cooperate with investigators. Now, if you're a parent of a missing child, the last thing I'm going to do is cut off all communication with law enforcement. That throws big red flags to me. I still have to wonder if she's telling the truth at all. Now, again, they wouldn't find anything. She would go on the Dr. Phil show and tell Dr. Phil she was advised not to speak to law enforcement. By who? She would end up saying her lawyer told her to do this. Why, if you have nothing to do with the disappearance, is a lawyer telling you not to speak to law enforcement? You were the last person to see him. You took him to a science fair and... You just disappear. And the little boy disappears. And a lot of her story just doesn't add up. And her friend refused to speak to anybody. Why? Is the friend covering up what Terry did? Did Terry do something to Kyron? It it makes no sense. Now, I'm going to post pictures of Kyron on um, the Facebook group. um, His picture when he disappeared when he was seven and an age-progressed photo. It's inhumane to think in my opinion that at this point that Kyron is still alive I think in my opinion and take me at my my word for this Terry did something to Kyron and that's why he can't be found however this case is 13 years old And Desiree and Kane are still 
wanting answers for where Chiron is. Now, I will tell you that his family does believe Terry did something to him, but again, there's no proof. She's not saying anything. The friend's not saying anything. So, I am going to give you the description, remarks, and details that are on the FBI's missing persons poster. So, Kyron Richard Horman disappeared on June 4th, 2010 at a Portland, Oregon from his school at Skyline Elementary School. Now, when he disappeared, he had blue eyes, brown hair, was 50 pounds, and 3 foot 8 inches tall. Kyron was last seen wearing a black t-shirt with the letter CSI in green and a handprint graphic on it. Black cargo pants, white socks, and black sketcher sneakers. He wears metal framed glasses and he went missing from Skyline Elementary School after attending his science fair. So... The thing of it is, is he did make it to a science fair. And with all the inconsistencies in his stepmother's story, it really does make me wonder, how much does she really know? So, again, his name is Kyron Richard Horman. At the time he disappeared, he was seven years old with blue eyes, brown hair, out of Portland, Oregon. If you live in the Portland area or lived in the Portland area at the time of the disappearance or were near the Savi Island, think back to that day and try to think if you had seen anything suspicious. If something was out of the ordinary, but you didn't think anything of it, maybe put a tip in. Do not, do not, do not, do not call the authorities with your conspiracy theories. They don't want to hear that. They want real tips. So... Again, if you were in the Portland area or near Salvi Island on June 4th, 2010, I ask you to reach back in your memory and try to think about that day and what maybe you've seen that you didn't think was vital that could very well be the case breaker. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode with... Please help the family bring home their missing son. That is all they want. They just want the truth. So with that, I hope you have an amazing night. And I will see you again in two weeks with a new case. If you have any case you want to have covered by me of a missing person, Reach out to me on the Facebook page, The Vanishing People of the World. 
and shoot me a message. I will look into it. I'm not overwhelmed just yet, but I would like to cover more cases and hopefully get this on a weekly show for you. With that, I hope you have a great night. And again, I will see you in two weeks. So I'm going to start something new starting this week. And I'm going to shout out new podcasts that I have found that I'm enjoying that I think you will enjoy. And this week's podcast is For the Record with Tess Hurd. She is amazing with what she talks about. Very little chatter about what's going on in her life, what's going on in the world. She's straight to the point. You'll love it. Listen to it. Follow it. Like it. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Vanishing People of the World. I, Nicole, am in charge of the research for this podcast and will continue to research as long as you allow me to. If you have a case of a person who vanished into thin air never to be seen again, please reach out to me. I would love to cover any cases thought of by you. Again, you can find that on the Vanishing People of the World Facebook page. You can join me there for discussions about these cases on a weekly basis. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And again, please understand, people don't just vanish into thin air. Something definitely happened. The question is, was it an accident? Or was it on purpose? Until next time, have a great night.